What a powerful name it is. Let's give Jesus, the name of Jesus, a hand of praise this morning. We give him glory, we give him praise for being the most powerful name that is on the earth. The Bible tells us that at the sound of that name, uh, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he, Jesus, is Lord. He is Lord in the heavens. He is Lord on the earth. He is Lord in the middle of the sea. He is Lord everywhere. And every knee shall bow at his name. Give him a hand of praise this morning. Amen. 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 I bring grace, mercy, and peace to you this morning from God our Father, his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into faith. Uh, you know, the other night we were all relaxing home when instantly the lights went off. The lights went out and for that moment there was a dead silence in the house. And we had a dead silence because everyone was in, in, in a bit of shock when the lights went off. Went off. And so we, we had lived at this house for like almost six years now have never experienced anything like that before. Light has never went off. And this right moment, it, it happened. And, well, and it, it, we were really, really surprised and scared at the same time. What, what, what went on? And realized that, oh, the lights went, up, went out. And so, well, but for some people in other places, when the lights go off, you know, it doesn't bother them because they have somehow gotten used to, to, to this being the way things happen in their homes or in the areas where they live. In other parts of the world, people have gotten used to uh, living in the darkness. And they are not bothered by it. It doesn't bother them at all because they have been doing it for so long. And sometimes the lights go out quite frequently in those areas. And so they are not bothered by it. I say this to say that there is a spiritual darkness that is connected to uh, the world in which we live today. There's a spiritual darkness that is prevailing over our world today that we have somehow gotten complacent with. And people don't care but what is happening in our world, it, it all goes back to the fall in the Garden of Eden when men fell from grace. It started, and then when men fell from grace in the Garden of Eden, the problem started. The light switch went off in the Garden of Eden that day. And since that time until now, to somehow we've gotten complacent about this darkness. The darkness has become a part of our lives. We've gotten used to it. And things are happening around us. The world has gotten darker and darker. I'm talking from a spiritual perspective. And we have not seemed to understand it. I believe that the day mankind became disconnected from God, the light went off, and there was darkness over the entire spiritual world uh, of mankind. No light. And who masterminded this whole idea? It was the devil who did it, Satan. This was very important to Satan. It was important that he turns off the light. 
And it was important to him because he works most effectively in the darkness. The devil works most effectively in the dark. And so in order for him to carry on his works on earth, he had to turn off the lights. And so the lights been turned off for so long. Here's how the Bible described the works as the works of darkness. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It means we're not struggling against one another. We are not fighting against one, of one another. The warfare that we are called to is not a warfare against one another. He says, but against uh, rulers and the authority, against the power of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, you read this text, you see it talks, it has a phrase that talks about against the power of the dark world. The devil operates in darkness. He does not allow people to see him. And so he operates in the dark. In John 8, 44, Jesus describes him as the father of lies. He lies. He does not tell the truth. He went in the Garden of Eden and he allowed Eve and Adam to fall from grace by telling them a lie. He told them that what God said to them is not true. That if you eat of the fruit, he says, you will be just like God. And he doesn't want you to be like him. He told a lie in the Garden of Eden. He's always telling a lie. He is the father of lies. And that's what scripture is explaining here to us. And in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, he is described as the God of this world. It says that he's the God of the world. And the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. You see that? He has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they would not be able to see the light. They not be able to see what God is doing in the world today. This is a, a serious spiritual issue that is affecting the entire globe, every place. For the evil one is on a rampage. The devil is on a rampage. And his plan is to bring, if possible, uh, the world, the whole world to hell with him. That's his number one plan. See, got to let you understand that when God created this place called hell, it was not created for mankind. Hell was created for the devil. It was created for those falling angels, the demons that fell from heaven along with him. And the devil says, okay, well, since you did this for us, we are not going to go in there alone. And he knows that God lost man so, so much. And he's trying to pick a fight with God. Because he cannot fight God because God is too big and too strong for him. So what he does is he pick on the ones God loves. That's you and me. He picks a fight with us and his ultimate purpose is to get us to get to hell with him. And that's the plan of the devil. So his primary job is to prevent the world from recognizing that it is dark out here. That the world is dark and we don't see the darkness we're just living in it. And we feel like this is life. We call it this is life. This is heaven on earth. My friends, it's not heaven on earth. The devil has made it look like heaven on earth. But it is not heaven, my friends. This is darkness. This is pure darkness that has been brought up, brought in our way. So here are some ways that the devil does it. And makes people to feel like, you know, he um, makes us to feel like it is not dark. He makes us to feel like things are normal. And, and, you know, these are some of the things that he presents or projects in the minds of people. 
First, he says, God does not exist. That's what he says. God does not exist. But, so he walks around, and you see, we call them the atheists. They walk around and they say, there's no God. There's no God. If there's a God, prove it that he exists. And, and, and the, but the Bible tells us in Psalms 51, verse 1, that the fool says in his heart that there's no God. So God is saying that the atheists are fools. And the reason he says that is because when you look around the universe, you look around the world, and you see the complexity of creation, and you see the orderness of creation, and you see how the thing is put in this kind of detail, and you sit there and think that there is no one behind it, you just got to be a fool and nothing else. And that's why the scripture calls uh, the atheist that they are fool. The devil makes people to feel that there is no God. Next thing he does is uh, he, is, he makes people to feel like he, Satan, doesn't exist. That there is no devil. There's nothing called devil. He says that. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14. For Satan himself masquerade as an angel of light. He does not bring himself and show himself as the devil. He presents himself as an angel of light because he does not want people to know that he exists, that the devil and demons exist. They exist all around us. We cannot see them, but they're all in our atmosphere. And their job is to steal and kill and to destroy. And that's what they do. They will steal your time. They will steal you from God. They will steal you and kill your desire for God or for church or your passion for anything that looks like God. And they destroy you in the end. That's the plan of the devil. He is the one who knows how to lift people high and leave them up there to fall down and die. The devil is an evil devil and he is never going to be a good devil. He's always going to be evil. That's the reason why he uh, tries not to make himself known or try to hide himself. The Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. If he comes to you, he's going to uh, camouflage himself and present himself as someone who is loving, someone who is likable, someone who you need to connect with or acquaint yourself with. That's how he presents himself. But he is not the angel of light. The devil is the devil. The third thing that he does, uh, he says that hell does not exist. He tells people that it's nothing called hell. You know, some people say we're already having enough hell on earth. And the Jehovah Witnesses say that there is no place called hell. They believe that hell is already on earth. That all of the things that we're going through right now is hell. My friend, this is not hell. Nothing here can be compared to what God has waiting in hell. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21 verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, uh, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic act, arts, uh, the idolaters, and all liars, the place will be in the foreign lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You see, the first death is the one that we experienced on the earth when we died and our soul depart this body and the body falls to the ground and can move no more. We take it and put it in the grave. And that is the first death. But when the soul leaves the body, the soul exits and gets into another realm. It leaves this atmosphere and gets into another realm. And in that other realm is the realm we call of eternity. And the eternity 
you will go either to heaven or to hell. That would be determined by who you place your trust in. If your trust was placed in Satan, you will find your place in a place called hell. If you place your trust in Jesus Christ and the cross on which he died, you will find yourself in heaven. But for those who will find themselves in hell, my friends, I'm telling you, this is not a place for any human being. God did not create it for us. The Bible is letting us know here that this place is a lick of furry fire. It's a place of fur burning with sulfur. And it, it tells you that the fire never goes out there. There is no rest time in heaven. There is not a time where you take a break or you go to sleep. You're going to go through torment all of the time. There is no day, no night, but there is eternity on that side. And no one needs to go there. That's why God sent his son into the world and put him on the cross and let him die so that you and I can have life in Jesus Christ so that we cannot go to this place. Christ went on the cross and he died. You don't need to do any work because Jesus had done it all. And all to him we owe. Sin brought us crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Give him a hand of praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Another lie he tells is that the Bible is not true. He let people believe that the Bible is not true. As a matter of fact, we have Christians who are questioning the legitimacy of Scripture today. They're asking whether or not the Bible is true. Whether the Bible needs to be followed anymore. We have different kinds of Christians. We have folks out there who say that they believe in Jesus, but they don't follow the word of God. We call them liberal Christians. They don't follow the word of God. How can you believe in Jesus? How can you be bought by Christ, but yet not follow the Bible? I can't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it. Because the Bible tells us in John 1 that Jesus is the word. And if you love Jesus, you've got to love the word. You cannot love Jesus and not love the word. The word is Jesus and Jesus is the word. You cannot separate the two of them. Bible tells us in John 1 that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's Jesus the Bible is talking about. So you cannot separate the two. But Christians today are questioning the legitimacy of, of Scripture. We will read the Bible and take out of it what we want and omit what we don't want. That's not God, my friends. That's not Christian, my friends. Because living for God is to take the whole Bible and, and, and live, live by the word of God. All right, no matter what Jesus says, if he says it, we believe it, and that settles it. That's what it should be for all Christians. And so, so they, they're going around questioning the legitimacy of the Bible, but Jesus says in Matthew 5, 18, he said to heaven and earth pass. Not, he says, not one little jot or title shall pass from the law till it is fulfilled. What he's talking about, even the period or the dot that was placed on top of the eye, he said it's not going to fail, will not fail. The word of God will never fail. Look, listen, in, 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 in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, he, saw, he says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose of what I for which I sent it. And you have to understand, God is telling us, he says that you can take God's word and wrap it around, turn it around, 
throw away, do whatever you want to do with it, interpret it the way you want to interpret it. It doesn't change the truth, my friends. The truth is always going to stand and remain the truth. People can go out there in the world, the government can change things around and say yes, it's all right to be gay, it's all right to, to be this and be that. And folks, if God were says that it is not all right, it is not all right. It's not going to change the word of God. God's word remains the same forever and through all, all times. Nothing is going to change it. Society will not change it. The culture will not change it. The government cannot change it. You cannot change it. No one can change it. God's words remain the same. Give God a hand of praise this morning. They try to hinder the gospel. They hinder the gospel. There is a hindrance to the gospel. All right? Jesus demands, the Jews demand signs, the Bible says. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22 and 23. The Jews demand signs. The Greek look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, Paul says. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. The Jews are looking for signs. They say, show us signs. If you came from God, then show us signs. Amidst all of the miracles that he worked in their very presence, they're still asking for signs. And the Bible says that the Greeks, uh, they believe in wisdom. You have to have the philosophical understanding of life to talk to them. And that's how a lot of folks are today. They'll ask you questions about Jesus. It says this whole ideology about Jesus doesn't make sense. I tell them, yes, it doesn't make sense because he ain't entered your heart yet. You wait till he enters your heart. It'll make all the sense in the world. All he got to do is get in your heart. Open it up. Let him come in. And you'll see the difference, I'm telling you. Yes, and that's what it is. I tell them, I can, I, one of my, 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 my in-laws, he's a doctor. He has his doctorate degree in philosophy. And he gets into this argument with me about Jesus Christ. Amongst all these people trying to embarrass me, among all these people asking me all these philosophical questions, I tell him, say, listen to me, man. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. Listen, I'm not going to argue with you. I say, you are missing something. And the one thing you're missing is Jesus, the very person you are questioning and arguing about. All you got to do, if you really want to know who he is, is open up your heart and let him come in. When he comes in, you have no more questions. You will understand why I do the thing I do. You understand why I sing the way I sing. You understand why I clap my hands and stand in church. Now you will understand why I'm crazy about this Jesus, because he's in my heart. Give him a hand of praise this morning. And so this darkness, being an ongoing concern for God, God decided to deal with it. God decided to shine an everlasting light into this darkness. But in order to do so, he had to first tell us about how serious the situation is. And so in all three of our readings this morning, this is a concern He's addressing this concern, this condition of the darkness. Look in Isaiah, which was our first reading, 42 verse 7. He says, to open eyes that are blind, to free captive from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who, are, who sit in darkness. God sees the darkness because he sits up high and he looks down low. And he sees all of the atrocities that we are going through in this world. Man, this world is dark, but people cannot understand it because the evil one has made us somehow get comfortable in walking in the darkness. 
I remember the first time when this uh, massive shooting took place in the United States. The whole country was petrified by that. Everybody was scared by that. Everybody was worried. Everybody was angry about that shooting that took place. And then as the years went on, more shooting took place in the schools and in other public places. And now when we turn on the television and they talk about the shooting, what do we do? We just say, oh, it's another shooting. Oh, it's another shooting. You know what? We've gotten used to that. We've gotten comfortable with that. And that's just how it is with everything else that looks like sin. Sin has permeated our society. It is all into everything. We got gay folks walking on the streets, hand in hand, and nobody cares no more. We just look at it and we just go on by business because why? It is the norm. But my friends, I come to tell you something. This world is so dark. It is so dark you cannot even comprehend it. The world is so dark. And this is the darkness that Jesus is trying to address. It says that he comes here released from the dungeon. Those who sit in darkness. There are folks who are still sitting in this darkness who do not understand what is happening in the light today. In Ephesians 5, verse 8, which was the second reading this morning, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. God has made us light. You see, this is not something that we put on ourselves, but it's something that he put on us. And so God has changed our lives. He has placed this light in us. And he's asking us to live as light. Don't go out in the world and turn off the light. Don't come on church and put the lights on in church. And then you step out there in society and turn it off. What kind of life is that? What kind of light you're shining? He says, let your light shine, not in church, but in the world, so that men will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We have to turn on the lights, my friends. Turn it on out there. Let men see the good light that God has placed in us in John 1.9. He says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is talking about the gospel this morning. As Jesus went along in his ministry, he he comes across this guy who was blind from birth. So in our gospel text this morning, It's the history of Jesus giving a man who was born blind, giving this man sight. This story is the story of all of us with a a birth date on the earth. Everyone who was born of a woman into this world, this story about this this blind man, uh, uh, you know, applies to our lives in some way, shape, or form. In Isaiah 51 verse 5, Bible says, surely I was sinful at birth. Uh, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We all came in this world in sin. What that means is we came in this world blinded. We came in this world in darkness. Every single person that come into the world. And this is the reason why you don't teach your baby how to steal or to lie. Because there's an inborn tendency in the child when the child comes to life in this world. But you have to teach them how to do good. You don't have to teach them how to be bad, but you have to teach them how to be good because the goodness has left their their hearts because of the dead spirit that is in us as we come into the world. And so we got to teach our children how to be good. We got to show them the cross. We got to teach them about God and let them grow into his grace. But we come in this darkness. 
And it was in that darkness that we were all born into the world. Let's see three things about this blind man's life as he lived in darkness that mirrors our, our lives today. The first thing I want us to look at is the mystery of the sightless man. The mystery of the sightless man. In John 1, 9, uh, 9, 1, sorry, he says, as he went along, he saw a man blind uh, from birth. This speaks of him coming into a beautifully created world, uh, but being ignorant to the reality of the world. This is the blind man. He was born into a beautiful world, but was very ignorant about the world because he could not see the world in which he is living in. You know, and, and he lived in this mystery of having to stumble uh, many times as he made his way through it, stumbling to try to find out what it's all about. He tried to make the best of it, even though he uh, lacked the ability to see uh, it from what it is. But he tried the best. And at times, he was lied to about questions he had because he couldn't see. And when he asked questions, people lied to him. Other times, he was robbed because he lacked the ability to see who was robbing him. Uh, and quite often, when it seemed confusing, he had to be led by someone, uh, someone else, trusting them to get him over on the other side of life. And so he had to go through all of this. The situation of this blind man is the situation of all of us who have uh, either been through it or going through it right now. We come into this world blinded, and sometimes we're asking questions. And in our quest to find answers, we, we go to the wrong sources for help, and they don't point us to the right direction. You see, when God created the world, he created it with a manual. And if you want to be successful in it, you need to have that manual. That's called man's manual. And the manual is the word of God. That's the book that you can look in. It's called the book of life. Because in it is life. And God created this world and placed us in it so that we can live life to the fullest. He says, I've come to give you what life and to give you it more abundantly. God wants us to have abundant life on the earth. But in order to, to have that abundant life, we have to turn to him. We can't turn to people who don't have the answer for this life. Only God has the answer for it. The blind man walk up the streets, up and down the street, feeling and touching, trying to make his way through. And that's how many, Christians, many people in the world today are doing, trying to feel the way through and make the way through because they don't understand it. They don't know it. Some of them would go to the wrong person to hold their hands and lead them through and lead them to the wrong places. You see, my friends, but we have one who wants to hold our hands. We have one who wants to make us see, and his name is Jesus Christ. If you give your hands to him, he'll lead you to the right place. He'll show you the right thing. He will take you to the right places, take you through doors that you thought you wouldn't be able to go through. That's what he does. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Just like this man in a state of physical blindness, obliterated from reality, so we were or are in our spiritual state. We talk about the mystery of this sightless man, and let's talk about the ministry of the sovereign master. In John 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, After saying this, he spit on the ground 
made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eye. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salim. He says, this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, the first thing we gather from this text is the incomparable ministry of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is, there is no one on the earth who can be compared to Jesus. There is no spiritual leader or religious leader on the earth that can ever be compared to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when you look at the ministry that he carried out and the miracles that he worked when he carried out his ministry, doing things that no other human agent had been able to do. This was a situation that was, according to human's assumption, impossible to undo or redo. This man was blind, and that was it. It was settled. Matter of fact, he was blind from birth. This was a, a defect from birth that no one was able to turn around. And so the ministry of Jesus to this blind man can be seen in comparison to what he did for us. We were living in an incomparable, irreparable condition, situation. Our situation could not be repaired by anyone. We were in total spiritual darkness. And no one could rescue us from this peril of sin. And as far as it looked, it looked horrible. We were alienated from God, separated from God for all eternity. And the devil was happy about this because his ultimate plan was to see mankind living in hell with him for all eternity. And God told him that that was not going to work because God always have a plan. God doesn't scratch his head to try to figure out what he's going to do. God always knows what he's going to do because God is a God of yesterday, today, and forever. He has all the wisdom in his, in his hands. He has the whole world in his hands. He has the answers to life, and he doesn't have to think about it because he knows all things the Bible says. Do you know that God knew before Lucifer made the decision to, uh, to revolt against God? God already knew it before that. Matter of fact, God knew it before Lucifer was created that that was going to happen. This is the kind of missing God that we serve. And God knew it, so God had a plan for him. And the plan was to make the other angels, Michael and Gabriel, stronger than him because the time was going to come for that fight. And when it came time for the fight, one-third of the angels in heaven were thrown down from there along with Lucifer out of that place, and they became demons. They are the ones walking up and down the earth trying to look for people who they can destroy. That's the work. Every day, they get up to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all they do. They ain't got nothing else on the agenda but those three things. Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's the abundant life that we get in Jesus. Give him a hand of praise this morning. So using mud to correct birth defect. Jesus just used mud from the ground to correct uh, uh, birth de defect. Jesus sends a message here by him using the march from the ground to, 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 to fix this man's eye. He sends a message. The message is that I made you from the dust. He sends a message to say, I was there when you were created. I made you from the dust of the ground and I can remake you again. 
And God remade that man right there on that day. That's the God that we serve. He comes to remake all of us. You've gone through a lot of mess. People have called you names. You've gone through situations in life. Some things that were so discouraging. But I come to let you know today that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is going to change your situation around and give you a life that will bring joy and happiness and peace. And you know what? He will restore all of the years that were taken away from you. God can do that. Jesus can do that. Give your life to him. I'm telling my friends, we talk about the mystery of the sightless man, the ministry of the sovereign master. Lastly, let's talk about the message of a supernatural mystery. The work of Christ is a supernatural mystery because no one has ever been able to comprehend how he did the things he did except God. No one could comprehend it. That's why Nicodemus came to him by night. He says to him, master, a teacher, we know that you are the man sent from God. Why? Because no one can do these things that you do. But look at the miracles that he worked. And they saw that no one could do the works that Jesus worked. He is described as a shining light. He came and punched a hole into this darkness and made his entrance in. That's what Jesus did. And so in John 1, 4, it tells us that in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the one who has the life and has the light of all mankind. He came and punched a hole into that darkness. And you know, it was just like uh, a parent is trying to look for their child in the dark. And they turn on the flashlight. And they're going in there trying to find the, the loved one. That's why Jesus they came up in this darkness and punched a hole in the darkness. And put his lights on and started moving around looking for his loved ones. And that's what he's doing still even now. While his kingdom is established on the earth. It is to find those who are lost and bring them back into the kingdom. And open their eyes so that they will see. And that's why when a man comes out of that darkness and come to Jesus. He can say I was blind but now I can see. Look at the light. Look at what I have missed. Look at how this joy is. Oh, it's a joy that I cannot explain. It's a joy that I cannot understand. Because the joy begins to bubble inside the heart of that person who comes to life in Christ. Jesus, he is described as a seeking light. Not only a shining light, but he is a seeking light. Look in John 1, 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. People have tried to stop this light. People have tried to stop the gospel. People have tried to shut down the church. But every time they try it, the church expands even more and more because no one can stop it. Jesus Christ declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They will try. He didn't say they wouldn't try. They will pursue it, but they will not prevail against it because he is a light and he is a rock that no one can fight against. If you kick him, you get hurt. If he falls on you, you get hurt. So stop fighting and let him do his thing because he is God all by himself. Give God a hand of praise this morning. He is described as a seeking light, the light that shines in the darkness. He is the only light that is shining in this darkness that is, that is pointing out to those mess that's happening around our, our culture today. 
happening in, in politics, happening in the government, happening in society. All these things are happening. He can see it. And let me let you know, if you're following Jesus, you follow the light. Don't allow the culture to tell you how to live your life. Let the Bible tell you how to live your life. Because you see, the culture will change. And the government will change. And the society will change. But the word of God remains the same forever and ever and ever. So stick with the word of God. And so Jesus is described as a saving light. Let me talk this and sit down. In John 9, 7, he says, he says to them, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. That's what the scripture says. What a grace. What an amazing grace that is. Jesus put mud on the man's face, telling him to go and wash in the pool. And he goes and washes, washes his face in the pool, and now he can see. Let me tell you what water is. What water is, water is the word of God. You have to understand, a lot of Christians don't like Bible studies. We don't read God's word. We have no passion for it. I come to let you know, if you want to see, you better go watch. You have to watch. Watch in the word of God. The word of God is that water. That's the water of life. That's the water, the source. Jesus tells this woman at the well. He said, I'll give you living water and you will drink it and you will never get thirst again. You see, he wants to quench our thirst. He wants to take away our thirst. But for that to happen, you got to be in the word. You got to be in the word of God, my friends. I'm encouraging you today. If you're not in a Bible study, pluck yourself in one and learn God's word. You are not, uh, you have not grown enough. You can never grow enough because God is too high. You can't get over him. He is too low. You can't get on him. He is too wide. You can't get around him. So you can never get enough of him because he gets too much. He is just too much. That's why I'm still in Bible studies. And if I'm the pastor still in Bible, Bible studies, everybody needs to pluck in one. Pluck in one so you can wash. And as you wash, you will see. You will see the darkness. You will see the stuff that's happening around you in society. And you will be able to stand against it and stand for Jesus. I pray that these words from God this morning would encourage your hearts and keep you steadfast in your faith, knowing always that he will never bring you this far and leave you. God will never teach you to swim and let you drown. He will not build his home in you and move away or lift you up and let you down. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.